Welcome to Finding Emo, our podcast where we discuss our favorite albums from the early aughts and thereabouts. I'm Blake Fisher. I'm joined, of course, by Chris Monier and Kyle Simmons, and we are so glad you joined us. Uh, you might be joining us from Kuwait, where we are the number one music commentary podcast this week. Yep, that's right. Number so, one. We did shout it. Shout out to, there might only be two people or even one person <laughs> listening in Kuwait for this to be the number one music commentary podcast there. But hey, we're number one. You can't take that away from us. We're number one somewhere. They, they, and I'd like to say. They downloaded it. Oh, go ahead. I would just <laughs> like Kyle. to say, shukran to Kuwait. <laughs> yes. And what does that mean? Is that hello? Thank you. Oh, thank you. That's great. Yeah. Uh, yes, thank you. And by the way, you can help us. Uh, I mean, it doesn't really help our ranking, but you can give us five-star reviews. Uh, you can tell a friend about it. You can uh, share the podcast with a friend. Uh, these are all good things that you can do to help our fun little podcast that we do. Um, today, we are doing uh, the format, Interventions and Lullabies, and Chris is going to take that away and tell us about this album. All right, let's do it. The format Excellent band. Uh, these guys are childhood friends. The format is technically two people, Sam Means and Nate Roos. Uh, Nate is the lead singer with the sweet, sweet, sultry vocals. And Sam uh, plays multiple instruments uh, on the album. Uh, and as we'll get into as we talk about this album, um, there are lots of different uh, instruments uh, being played on this record. I don't believe Sam played them all, but um, some very... Um, well-crafted songs and um, excellent arrangements. Uh, so the childhood friends, uh, they formed the band and um, the band technically is a, an Arizona band. Um, they are self-described as a desert pop band um, influenced heavily by artists from the sixties and seventies. And, and you can hear it, you hear their music just kind of dripping with influences um, by like Harry Nilsson and the beach boys um, but also with some more modern, you know, pop emo kind of influence thing. Um, they put together an EP um, and the uh, aptly titled first single track found its way onto a local radio station and became a minor uh, hometown hit. And by 2002, they caught the attention of some major labels, decided to ink a deal with Electra. Uh, wrote some songs together, and those songs would later become Interventions and Lullabies. Um, due to some record label hijinks, shuffling, something we've talked a lot about from this era. Um, Going on in the early 2000s. Yes, the my, old, the my old hijinks. These guys, yes, these guys did not, uh, this, this record just did not get a fair shake. Um, right after it was released, Electra was absorbed by Warner Brothers and Atlantic Records, and um, Warner Brothers decided to eliminate any artists that were considered a liability. And uh, so they basically part of the stipulation of them uh, purchasing Electra was they, they were allowed to contractually release artists that they didn't like. So uh, the contract was dropped, but then picked up by Atlantic Records. Um, but they really didn't invest any time or money into intervention and lullabies and basically said, why don't you guys just make another record, um, which later became Dog Problems. Um, so even though that was the case, uh, as far as the circles I ran in and, and probably the dudes I'm doing this podcast with, this was a very, very popular record. I mean, literally everybody had this in their CD, um, you know, our giant CD collections that we would take with us everywhere. Um, oh, yeah. and it, uh, you know, these songs were, were just a staple of any party you would go to. Um, you know, we played it in the van when we were on tour. It was a huge, huge, huge record. 
Um, and, uh, you know, the, the folks that worked on it were not nobodies. The producer, R. Walt Vincent, um, also did, uh, uh, I think, one or two Pete Yorn records, which I thought Blake yeah, think, think was he did. interesting. Blake was the guy who, who turned me on to uh, Pete Yorn, and I, I've been a fan ever since. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a really, really, really good record that just um, didn't get the attention it deserved. Um, of course, these guys went on to do one more record, Dog Problems, and then um, Format just kind of fizzled out after that. So that's that's my spiel about the record. Uh, did I, Nate's did next I, project did, okay, did all right. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, you can you can tell when you're listening to this record that, they, that these guys had no problems uh, writing Tasty Licks and Sweet Sweet Hook. So it was uh, yeah. it just kind of oozed out of them. Yeah, I mean, it was uh, I you know it was weird because I didn't uh know all the Electra Warner Atlantic stuff until we picked this record for this episode. And I was like, that makes all the sense in the world to me now because I always wondered like it did seem like everyone we knew in the kind of in a band circle kind of thing and the people that went to shows all the time knew who this band was. But they seemed like they should be bigger, <laughs> if that made sense. Like these like they got some great pop songs on here. And that happened all the time of just like, well, first of all, it's like weird that they they didn't get dropped. They were like, oh, we like you enough to keep you around, but we don't want to push the album that you already released. I just, I've always, that's always a weird thing that like labels did. They just were like, oh, you already released it? Then we don't want to do anything with it. Even though it's like, okay, but only a few people have heard it. So if you, because we talked about it on that, um, on the Say Anything record, uh, that kind of happened with them. Someone, I mean, it did actually get a bigger push, like way after it was released, and clearly it was much more successful at that point. So, it's not like it's unheard of that you can make a record that like was already released popular. Yeah, but- you know, if you put some weight behind it. But it just sounds like Elektra didn't push it because they were getting folded into Warner Brothers, and then Atlantic didn't want to push it because I guess they just wanted to make another record dude it's it's so weird because i was talking to someone about this this week i wasn't necessarily talking about a record but you just you had just mentioned that labels didn't want something that had been released at all and i was talking right. to someone about how like someone asked my opinion about releasing some music and i was like dude i have no freaking clue what to tell you because do you remember someone t- like do you remember don't burn a single don't burn that single like that was the thing oh did you burn the single like what, what do you mean? Do I, am I going to burn the single? Like, has this been played anywhere? Like, well, yeah, maybe. Right, yeah. And like, eh, we don't want it. It's like yeah. the opposite of how music works now. Like now people try and make things viral in order for it to be successful. And it was the opposite yeah. of that. Like if someone had heard it before, if, if five people had heard it, they didn't want it. So. Yeah. yeah. Really bizarre. Yeah. To think about like, okay, a song that people like, it's still going to be new to all the new people that hear it. <laughs> well, and think also think about like the headspace that that kind of put guys like us in, in bands trying to make it at that time. It's like, well, this song is really good, but is it too good to release? <laughs> because <laughs> I've got a key yeah. tight. <laughs> but it is weird. It's like, uh, and you know, I, that same thing. I worked on a solo record forever ago. God, it's almost whatever more than a decade ago now and same thing i was talking to a guy like really does has done well in the music industry he was like oh you can't release it 
Like if you if you want to talk to anyone about possibly putting this out, you cannot put it on. He was like, you can make CDs, but do not put it on Apple Music's. It wasn't Spotify at the time, but like don't put it on iTunes or any of that kind of stuff. Don't make it where someone can Google it and right. find it. He was like, or they will not pick it up. Um, which is kind of strange because it's like again, like who cares if I pressed a couple hundred CDs and sold them right. to friends at a local show. Um, you know, but like if they found out about that, they would just like not do it. Um, which was kind of strange to me. I don't understand. Like I said, I don't understand that kind of mentality, but it seems like this band obviously got burned by that twice, essentially. <laughs> uh, this, this first record of theirs and then dog problems was kind of the same thing. Atlantic really didn't push it either. Um, and so I'm glad they went on to, by they, I mean, Nate went on to have success, uh, for sure. And Sam's done some cool stuff too. He did a little folky kind of thing with uh michelle from stray light run so um later so anyway i mean i'm glad that they uh you know went on to have you know nate went on to have gigantic success with fun so uh he's certainly a good enough songwriter to uh warrant such a thing but just weird to me that like an album two albums as good as these two the format did you know are pretty low on people's radars as far as uh well and you know if you weren't like really in the scene and also which is funny not like not just crazy different than fun right no no especially not the first fun record the first fun record is basically a lot like dog problems it's really it feels like a a like it really feels like part two of dog problems but i haven't given that that one too many spins i'll have to check that out oh dude it's it's great it's really but but i guess i mean just like didn't it's almost like it's almost like fun proved both of these labels wrong like look (laughs) right this this dude he got the goods yeah. You missed out, and I'd be—I'd yeah, actually be willing to bet. I don't know if you—if there's numbers for this or Chris, if you saw them, either of you guys, I'd be willing to bet that that uh, that format probably sold more after Fun than it did prior. Uh, oh, probably. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, and you're right. I don't have the numbers for it. Uh, oh, I forgot to mention the thing that happened on Dog Problems is like it before it released, it got leaked. And so they just like rushed oh, and released that's right. it. No, I read that too. And so yeah. the same thing happened with that was like it, it, um, and I remember when that happened, they like, they immediately put it online for like, Hey, seven ninety nine. they could buy it. And they sold a few thousand copies like that basically because it had leaked. And so they're like, we're kind of screwed either way. And so it wasn't technically the release date, but they basically said, well, if it's online anyway, we might as well make some money on it online. Hmm. So they actually sold a few thousand copies, but, um, but that ruins that, that used to ruin, like anticipated releases too, especially for major labels and stuff. So, um, yeah, it's just kind of a bummer that those two things happened. Um, but, uh, yeah, that's kind of, I guess, is that all the, that's basically the facts. I mean, there's not a lot about, about the record, honestly. Well, um, I, I will say that there's some, I, I, I kind of ran over one part that I, I forgot to mention, which is there, there are some connections to our, one of, you know, this podcast favorite bands, Jimmy at world. Since uh, they're true. an Arizona band, um, I think their EP came out on, like Jim Adkin, Adkins had like a label called Western Tread or something like that. Because they I had, I don't remember, they had two, they had the one with the first single, I can't remember what it was called, and then they had a Snails EP that came out, both yeah. of them came out before the um, this full-length album. But Right, but what, so, so does there, were, there are some connections to Jimmy World. As a matter of fact, I yeah, think for Nate, sure. Nate yeah. was on, um, wasn't Nate on Jim's podcast? Yeah, he was, yeah. yeah, Jim's podcast. Uh, and also, they did the... My favorite format thing was they did, um, they had they did like a D, uh, live video I think of 
dog problems front to back or whatever oh, and they nice. were releasing it as a as a as a dvd thing and they invited people to it was like a venue they're going to show the the movie this was like last year or the year before or something and uh and it wasn't really it was really a secret show and so they these people show up thinking they're seeing the the like concert film or whatever the dvd and it's the format, oh, wow. which they hadn't played in like a decade or whatever. And so it's kind That's of like a, a it was idea. like a reunion show. And it, I f- figured out about it because Jim Atkins was there. Obviously, he knew what was going on or whatever. But uh, but he the knew. best part was they they <laughs> no, that's Jim. what I'm saying. He knew. <laughs> they, but they sold T-shirts that said like I came for the DVD release and all I got was this lousy format reunion show <laughs> or something. Which I was like, that's a perfect T-shirt for. Uh, for that situation. So I, I thought that was a pretty fun thing. Yeah. It's, uh, um, I feel like it was a band that, like I said, Nate went on to have plenty of, of success. He's doing just fine. But you know, I did, I did always want this band to be bigger than they were. Yeah. Uh, yeah. it seemed like, well, we, they should have even, yeah, we saw them open up for the all American rejects at the height of the all American rejects fame. I mean, they were, that was a great show. The starting line, uh, you know, they were, Yep, uh, they were too good to be opening for. That was right before they broke bands. up too. <laughs> yeah, that was like yeah. that was months before they broke up. I yeah. mean, that was. Uh, yeah, they looked that tired was, at that show. That was right at the end of it. Uh, yeah, Maybe unfortunately, tired, buddy. <laughs> uh, you know, they did. Um, well, okay, so let's. Well, this is kind of both. Uh, but I've got a good question. Why do we consider this band emo? Is it the Arizona scene thing? Because Electra is not one. You know, at one point I had a theory that was it was more about labels. So it's like if you were on Drive Through Vagrant, we said, but like Electra is a major label. If I'm being honest, I think it's just that the people that I spent time with and enjoyed that music also enjoyed this album very much. I can't. Yeah, and who they toured with? Exactly why? Yeah, who they toured with? It got lumped into that category, though. I just feel also haircuts. It's a good question. Yeah, haircuts. That's a good. Okay. Yeah, I think haircuts is the right answer, Kyle. That's correct. Right. There's a haircut um, on the front of the record. Yeah. Like, it was like, oh, it's an emo haircut. Yeah. This must and, be emo. And, and, right. and a kerchief, right? Like, that's right. Yeah. That's right. I, and that must be it because it's just weird because, like, this album has way more 70s and pop stuff than. Well, a, yeah. It, it doesn't really have any of the staples of the genre, in my opinion. But there's, you're there's one right. song. It, it is not really an emo. Yeah, record. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's. But it just got kind of lumped in for some reason. <laughs> and I, that's where I, I think emo is it. such a. That's why I think emo is kind of such a. I don't want to call it a dumb term, but it is just such a, a, a label that got slapped on everything. Yeah. And it didn't really apply most of the time. Because um, I'm always like, if this is an emo band, then why is like not okay go? Like, because that's. Oh. You know, in the same vein of a of a band that's kind of influenced by seventies rock and stuff, and and uh, and, yep. and kind of poppy, but like we should we should do an OK time. Go record. Apparently. I think OK Goes was on Electric too. Were they on Electra? Oh, oh that no, sounds about that right. Uh, their first album, I think. Uh, don't don't quote me on that. You can look that up. But anyway, it's just one of those weird things where I go like, I'm, you know, I wonder why, but I think it's because of as we get into first impressions. Uh, I'll tell you why I think I think that way. But uh, what are you guys' first impressions of the band? I mean, we kind of talked about that, but I guess of the record. I don't know if you guys remember when you picked it up or heard it first. Um. Well, uh, you know, my I've talked about Am- my my really good friend before Amber, who worked at a record store, who would get copies of these records in advance, and she played, um, "Give It Up" for me. Yeah, and she was like doing like the one you know the stop with her finger in the air like waiting for the second verse just so excited 
for let, we'll talk about what happens later mm. but like she just like could not wait for me to hear this and when i heard it i was like oh my god how did they do that that's so great and then i just i and the whole record was just perfect i mean that that, that song made me instantly like them but um, it's a great song but um yeah i was kind of a fan from from that point forward and then and then of course like i said everybody that i knew had that record and was playing it like crazy that's true by the way okay goes first record was on capital yep. i was wrong not electra oh. um uh, Kyle, you, do you remember your, your hearing them first or anything like so that? So I had the good fortune of my first time ever hearing them being live. They opened up. Me too. They opened up for uh, the Rocket Summer at Rocket Town. Was, no, it was at Green. <laughs> no, no, no. I saw them at Rocket Town. Oh, you saw the I was, Rocket I Town. Was That's in, hilarious. I, we were at two different yeah, shows. Same tour. That's in Nashville, yep, right? Yeah, in Nashville. Okay. And okay. and um and he and like it was crazy because I assume it was the same for you. Actually, did you see him with a full band? Because I just saw him and Sam. It's just him and Sam, but they were uh, with the the show. This is crazy. It was Rocket Summer, Early November, Limbeck, and Format. I had not heard Early November, Limbeck, or Format. It was the first time seeing them. What, Sight unseen. What a great I was going show. to see Rocket Summer. Yeah, what, Do, doesn't get better than that. <laughs> That's pretty awesome. But they played the first single with like everyone from all the bands. Okay. Like everyone came up and played that with them. So I don't know if that was the same. Yeah, I think I or if you didn't. Have- I think I seem to remember. Um, oh, gosh, Bryce uh, from the Rocket Summer playing yeah. with them on on a song. But they just it was just the two of them, him singing Sam on the acoustic. And it was I mean, look, I don't want to take anything from the musician, musicians, ah, musicianship of this band. Uh, obviously Sam is talented. They're, they're probably wonderful musicians, but Nate's voice is super special. I had never heard anything like it. And I mean, I was just floored in the moment, like, Whoa, what the heck is going on? Also, I'll never forget. He started off saying, uh, guys, I have a cup of pretzels up here. If anybody would like a pretzel, please come get one. That's how accessible the format was at this time. <laughs> you could have one of his pretzels. And most of the people in there were like, no, dude, I'm not going to eat one of your gross pretzels. Um, but I thought it was yeah. awesome. And and they were great. And and uh, I think that I think I picked up the EP that night. And I want to say the record yep. came out like, I don't know, a month or two later. But I was it, it was on my radar. I was ready to go. And so this record was even better for me because I had just heard the acoustic versions of these wonderful right. songs. And so, yeah, like what you're talking about that's coming up in the second verse of that song. Holy crap, man. I was like, dude, these guys, I knew they kicked butt and this is just validation. So. I'm glad you had that same experience because mine was the exact same. I literally, like I said, I was going to see Rocket Summer. I loved Rocket Summer, and and I get surprised by getting to. I'm not a, like a huge early November fan, but they're pretty good live. But like Limbeck and Format were like, I was like, who are these bands? They're so good, uh, and especially having all those guys up on stage playing the first single, I was like. But yeah, I mean, I remember, I remember most of the songs they played. I mean, I'm, I like it's like burned into Me my too. memory, and it was just Sam on guitar and him singing. But it was, it really grabbed my attention, which is not normal for like an acoustic opening app, an acoustic op- opening act yeah. back then. Um, but it was they were really cool, and it was just like Nate hanging out on a mic stand singing, and uh, I think Sam might have been sitting down playing guitar or whatever. But either way, it was just it was a cool show. 
and uh, I'm. It's funny that we had the same experience at two different shows on the same tour. Um, was it the yeah, same, same for thing, you though? Like, so when you heard the album versions, you're like, "Holy crap!" <laughs> oh yeah, I mean, yeah, exactly. A big difference. And to be fair, that. kind of got a, a a glimpse of it by having you know all those guys, yeah. like you know ten guys on stage singing the first single with you know someone's on tambourine and they got like three electric guitars and uh, and everyone's singing kind of gang vocals on that stuff mm. and it was. Uh, I could tell it was like, oh, okay, this is really fun. And then, uh, no, no pun intended. Uh, and <laughs> then, uh, yeah, and then the record's really good. Um, so that's a pretty good first impression. And I don't know of a lot of bands that that happened with me, where it was like, um, I mean, Limbeck that same night is one of them that I was just like, this band is really good. I have to go get their stuff. Uh, immediately. I mean, it happened for sure sometimes, but normally I'd heard of the band or heard some of the songs or something before I saw a band live. Very rarely did I just like catch something like lightning in a bottle like that, but that's a pretty good show. And then, yeah, Chris, as Chris mentioned, it was a few years later, right before they broke up, but like we got to see them like with the full band with like the whole like, you know, horns and everything on that All American Rejects tour, which was uh, pretty cool too. Also, a really good shows. Them, Starting Line, oh, All American Rejects, and Gym Class show. Heroes. Wow. Oh, yeah. It was a stacked show. Gym Class Heroes was like brand new. They dude, just, dude, are, they are, opened the show. It was awesome. Are concerts still like that? Where there's like four bands? I don't think that four happens anymore. Four amazing bands. Yeah. I mean, normally, no, I don't think that, that that's a thing anymore. But That's called a festival um, now. Yeah, I was gonna say, <laughs> yeah. I think that's I mean, called uh, Austin City Limits. <laughs> there have been no shows for a year, so uh, it's hard to remember what shows are like. Um, yes, they can be whatever we want them to be. We could just yeah, well, shows can now be. They're on my. They're streaming on my TV now. I guess that's. What well, no. When you get like. older, the band the bands only have one opening band. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's what I, I think. That's what's happening now. Is like you get and it and it's like some like cheesy band that's like basically paid to get on the tour with like yeah a one giant of the band. <laughs> one of the better opening bands that I've seen though lately. I say lately. It was a decade ago probably, but um, was Jimmy World their alternate guy that plays keys i think his name is robbie he's got a band called um uh, what mini bosses and they play instrumental like video game songs like oh, nice and it's it was a perfect opening act because it was like oh i'm familiar with this and they freaking rock they're like really good and and they were all the things a band should be they were funny like it was it was cool it was familiar it was co- it was like and it did warm up the crowd and like you didn't have to be um you know, you didn't have to know who they were. You didn't have to be like, "Oh, I'm bored. Let's let's get to it." Uh, so I thought that was a good choice That's uh, by Jimmy you, World. You said the you said the what the truth is though. It's like if if we're all paying to go see Jimmy World, like the first band's job is not to like yeah, not, it's not we to, don't want to discover some new like hidden gem burrowed deep in the yeah troughs of you know musical I, stardom. It's like we just want like hear a little music and then you know prime the pump. Okay. Especially I think that was I think <laughs> yeah. that was the futures tour too. Like yeah. the ten year anniversary. So they're like like we were all there because like we wanted to hear futures front right. to back. You've got to be like you're a real Jimmy World fan. You're not, you know Yeah. Um and so anyway, I thought that was a good uh, opening band Dude, uh thing. I'm so. I'm gonna take us off the rails for a second and say just we're just to go with this. We're way <laughs> off of it. Hey, it's fine. Go so for the it. last time like the last time that you, that Blake and I went to a Jimmy World show the one at the diamond. Yeah. Do you remember? It was the advantage. Do you tour, remember think, freaking yeah. David Bazan? Like for me, kind of a big deal opens and he played for 10 minutes, dude. Like, yeah, he did not <laughs> play for very long. Like, uh, that was Pedro the lion up there. I don't know if you guys know this. And he just played like two songs. It was insane. Now at the same time, 
I wasn't, I wasn't really complaining because I was there to see Jimmy Eat World and they were wonderful. They came through. It was a great show, but man, it was, I remember thinking, wow, he really did play for like 15 <laughs> it was or 20 crazy. minutes tops. I That's mean, it crazy. was, it was a very short opening set. Uh, and I remember being surprised too. Like, wow, that's, that was short. It was, it was crazy short. <laughs> okay. Well, let's go to track by track discussion. Uh, starting with, okay, here's a weird, before we get in, no, let's just play it. We'll play it and then we'll talk <laughs> okay. about it. Here we go. The, the first single cause a scene and, or, you know, me, we'll, we'll talk about the discrepancy there. You can't start. Do you want to fall apart? Well, I could if you can't try to fix what I've undone. Cause I hate what I've become. You know me. I think you do. You just don't seem to see. I've been waiting all this time to be something I can't define. So let's Okay, so first off, the original, I swear, the song was called The First Single and then parentheses, Cause a Scene. And now on all streaming stuff, it's called parentheses, You Know Me. I, yeah. I'm not making this up, right? Like no, in my it's, iTunes, it's called Cause a Scene. Yep, I looked up some old versions. Okay, so again, we have the digital... <laughs> You know, editing. Everyone apparently, all of our favorite musicians have taken the George Lucas and Steven Spielberg method of like, I'm just gonna make this a little bit better, uh, and I'm gonna edit some stuff. Uh, Twenty years or, later, or even not... you know what, idiots have been calling it this for this long. Let's just give in and call it that. <laughs> I know, but like, it's just so it's just funny because it was called cause a scene. Like that was the parentheses, which was kind of funny because it wasn't. I mean, it's in the chorus, but You Know Me starts the chorus, I guess. So they were like, I guess we'll just call it that instead. But it's just funny that they switched the parentheses. It's not like they added it later because, well, everyone calls it this anyway. It's like they just were like, well, let's just change what's in the parentheses. Anyway, weird thing. Chris, what are your thoughts about the song, though, other than the title change? Uh, I mean, could you write a better <laughs> opening track? Like, blazing out of the gates with those drums, like screaming, let's cause a scene. Yep. Uh, yes, Nate. Yes, Nate. I do want to fall apart. Yep. I do. With you for 12 more lovely songs. <laughs> no, it's a great opening song. One of the best of the decade uh, for this kind of music, I think. Opening song. I'm not saying oh, best songs. I'm saying it's best also one of my song. favorite songs. From oh, that, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. From that decade, too. Kyle, what are your, your thoughts? I mean, dudes, yes. Like, what the heck? And you mentioned earlier, like every party, every car drive, like, I mean, (laughs) if you, if you, (laughs) if you don't like this song, just get out of here. Like, I mean, just freaking get out of here. This is an incredible song. And, um, I love, like, I love his little double vocal all the way through. Um, and not like, you know, not like a stack vocal. He's got kind of got... Sometimes he's doing a harmony. Sometimes he's just singing with himself. Freaking cool. Um, What an awesome song. Yeah. Yeah, it's got... Chris and I totally ripped this off. Not ripped it off, but we were very inspired by this song to try our own fun poppy side project thing. And we literally just one night just made... We were like, wrote the song. We recorded all the parts. uh, And it was very much like... It was completely influenced by... I was like, Chris, we're writing a song with a four on the floor kick. Like, that's what we're doing. And, and so, I mean, it was really just the beat that, that we stole. I mean, and it's not like 
it was an original beat. It's just, I mean, that's not, you know, nothing new there, but I was like, we've got to do that. I want a four on the floor song. And, um, and yeah, I mean, gosh, how can you not like, um, how can you not tap your toe to this tune? It's good. Uh, You can't, you can't not. No, it's great. And it really (laughs) was, I mean, I mean, I know so many people that, you you mentioned Ambrish uh, playing "Give It Up" for you, um, but this was the song that I feel like you know everyone was like, "You've got to hear this song," and they'd play it, and people would be oh, like, "Oh yeah, yep, I'm sold." You know, it was, and I like that they kind of knew, um, kind of tongue in cheek called it the first single. <laughs> you know, it's like they knew. Well, the the, the band name is also like a tongue in cheek thing about yeah. like the format of their music. Yeah. Like, what format are you? And they're like, "We're the format." Like, yeah. they, they uh, seem to not take themselves very seriously when it came to the record companies. Yeah, it's a pretty solid first track. Um, let's go to second track, which is Wait, Wait, Wait. Kyle, thoughts on second track? Wait, wait, wait. The freaking low harmony that he's singing, um, the bass line just do 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 do, getting yep. it. Um, I mean, it's awesome, dude. Uh, you know, I I still don't like. I hear all the influences that you were talking about earlier, like kind of a '70s thing. Like I hear that, but it's still so uniquely them that like, um, I I feel like. I feel like I just still can't like seventies doesn't quite describe it for me because it's also just like, just freaking feel good, man. Like not that seventies music wasn't, it's just, I, I, I don't know. Like there was definitely no band like this at the time. Um, no. and, and I'm two tracks in and digging it. I think most of the seventies stuff comes in other tracks. I don't yeah. think these first two are, are super seventies. I almost I feel mean, like there's the, like even like a, a touch of like maybe, maybe like a little bit of country in in some of this oh yeah well but i think that's where like the i mean i didn't actually know the producer connection until we picked this record and i was looking into it and stuff but this i mean now that i hear it i'm like oh this sounds kind of like pete your and music for uh, the morning after okay. i mean and they both have that kind of singer songwriter there's a 70s influence yeah. for sure as far as um but not it didn't sound like the seventies. It wasn't like, it's such a obvious throwback how, um, I'm trying to think of a good example of a band that like was just such a, like, you know, so throwback to it. But you know, you can hear that they, those were the, probably a lot of their favorite artists were, were people, mm-hmm. you know, songwriters and bands from the seventies and stuff. And so, but I can definitely hear that, that, I mean, this sounds like it could be a song if it was just Pete, if it wasn't, if it's a different key because Pete Yorn's voice is lower. Uh, and, but I mean the guitars, I mean all that stuff going on and I like, you know, they both, they did a lot of stuff with like layering different instruments and stuff and interesting stuff that you wouldn't normally hear on a record. a lot of times it's like, uh, which we're not into that at this point yet. There's not a lot of instrumentation yet, but I mean, later we get into banjos and we've got tubas, uh, weird keyboards and tubas, and we've got like a lot of instrumentation and stuff. Uh, and there was certainly no one putting tubas on records that I was listening to in 2003. No. Uh, Chris, what are your thoughts on wait, wait, wait? Uh, no, I think you guys nailed it. I did think it was like, uh, to me, it was funny that um, like the contrast of Chris Rowe last 
podcast and his eternal pre-choruses. And then I like the like contrast to this song. No pre-chorus, just boom, freaking chorus, tsunami chorus coming right at you. <laughs> coming at tsunami you. chorus. Yes. Um, I, I love the dynamics of that. It, just the guts to be like, all right, we're going to do this nice, soft, sweet, you know, and the 70s thing, you know, the chord progression, you can really hear it. It's just kind of got like a Burt Backrack, like Harry Nilsson feel. And then just like almost like a punk rock chorus it just comes right in. And then a slide guitar in the in the uh, instrumental part, too. That's they, they just like throw every instrument they possibly can at these songs. Yeah, the Harry Nilsson thing is interesting because I had not really. Uh, that makes sense. Like now after you said that, I'm like, ah, that makes sense as an influence. Like, yeah. I get that now. Uh, I hadn't really thought about it, but um, but yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I think that. I've been a huge Harry Nilsson fan since I was a kid because my dentist in Oklahoma was really good friends with him. What? Yes. I'm not That's making awesome. this up. And as I got older, the stories about him and Harry Nilsson partying got way cooler. <laughs> <laughs> so I kept, yeah. didn't make an entrance until, yeah, until the 16. I was like, oh, you guys were partying. He's like, yeah. Hey, six-year-old Chris, <laughs> let me tell you about cocaine. <laughs> But yeah, so he he was always talking about this Harry Nilsson guy, and then you know I, I one day I was like, uh, hey, I went to the record store, and that guy you're always talking about, like he's got records, he's, you know, he's like, yeah, he's like famous, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I was like, I didn't know, so <laughs> I got really into him at a young age because of my dentist. True story. Uh, that that's an interesting. Uh, <laughs> that's not normally how people discover Dude, records. That is a great. I, I I it's a great story though. I didn't catch you referencing that earlier. That is a great. That is a great reference for these guys. Yeah, um, it is. Because like I, I always view Harry Nelson as um as like I know this sounds weird, but the point was was uh was a to me it was like a kid record because that's how it was introduced to me. Like, hey, listen to this. This is for kids. And I even remember like there was a cartoon that went along with it. And so like that lines up with the format in my mind, the vibe perfectly, because the only other thing that I was sitting here trying to think of was maybe like maybe schoolhouse rock kind of like <laughs> yeah like i hear schoolhouse rock in this a little bit especially as the record goes along but like as far as just an artist goes i'm not sure so harry nilson that's great yeah i think I, I i think that ties in yeah pretty well so uh let's go to track three give it up I didn't grab the clip that you're talking about. You're probably talking about when the horns and stuff right, come no, in. No, right, right when that yeah. tuba comes in. Oh, man, yeah. I, I was, like, floored. I do remember being like, what? How There's did, a tuba on this record? Just imagining someone having that idea and then pulling it off perfectly. I mean, this song is almost like it was written for the tuba part, you know? And, dude, like, you guys, tell me if you agree. This is a hit song. This song on the radio, it's a good hit song. song. Like it, it, it's a perfectly crafted full stop hit song. It, it's a, such a shame these guys didn't get a, a, a fair shake. Cause, God, it's a great song. I love. This Do you know song. what's funny about it too is like when it starts after those first two tracks, the way it starts, I'm kind of like, uh, 
because it feels like it feels like it just drops such down like from the first two tracks. But then when those horns and stuff Ooh. come in and it starts yeah. getting bouncy with the roads and stuff or the electric piano, whatever it is. I mean, then you're like, oh, okay, I'm bouncing along to this. And like, it, it does a really good job of kind of like slow playing you. Uh, yeah. As far as like, it's, it kind of tricks you. And yeah, by the end of it, you're just like, I mean, not even by the end of it, by the first chorus, you're, you're into it, I think. But by the end of it, you're really, I think you're right. I think this could have been a, like an adult top 40 single, like not just like a, you know, this could have been on the local, uh, like whatever, 98.9. Like it yeah. would have been that, like it would have fit perfectly. I, and I always thought Limbeck was a band like that too. Like mm-hmm. that should have been like, dude, these guys could have been on VH1 all day. Like, you know, like <laughs> does that make sense? Like, is that maybe a compliment? <laughs> hey, I think they'd so. be making money. That's a compliment. No, I think so. Like, I mean, like, you know, like a little more mature, yeah, like in yeah. a little bit, like, uh, and, and a little bit of a throwback to something that's right. a little older. Cause that's the seventies. And like, and, and obviously Limbeck had kind of an, uh, Americana alt country kind of thing going on or whatever. That Dude, felt a little different. It could have been a whole and, genre of local radio stations just playing these kinds of bands. That that would have been. Yeah, but this is a great song, Chris. You're absolutely yeah. right. It it was it, it's uh it's kind of a hit, but it's a, it's like a sleeper hit. It's yeah. not like one that I think that you just the first time you hear it you go, oh man, that's a good song. But I think it it would be like one of those. I um, wonder if there's a phrase for that that we could use in this podcast. Something that you don't like right away. <laughs> no, but I mean, not it's not grower, not a shower. It's it's like. It's like you you like it by the end of the track. <laughs> what is Kyle <laughs> getting at? No, no. <laughs> no, 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 but I mean like, you know, it's like have, those singles that you hear on the radio that are like not, you know, like the first single on this right, you know, the first track called the first single. Yeah. That's a hit right off the bat. Yep. You're like, "Oh, this is a good song, everyone likes it." Like you're not that's not growing on you. Yep. But like this one you're like Maybe it takes you a minute to be like, oh, wait. Yeah. And then like, I think you do like it better the second time and the third time and the yep. fourth time. Yep. And uh, and sometimes those make the best radio songs because they last a lot longer. You know, sometimes the flash and the pan thing of like, especially like, you know, the summer hits, you know, whatever the summer hit is of, right. of, a, of a year. Everyone's so sick of it by August that they never want to hear it again. But then there's songs like, I was at Wingstop the other day and that... Um, Oh gosh, what's the name of that song that was just gigantic a few years ago? Uh, Arms was, wide um, open. Mambo number four. No. <laughs> you say Mambo number five? Yeah, no, I said that? number four because I you was said one number off. four. But Winnie was my four-year-old daughter was singing that when I put her to bed, and I was like, "Where did you hear that song?" So it's really weird that you then brought it up. Weird. <laughs> so. Oh, I'm never gonna think of the song, but it was like that weird acoustic. The guy. Oh gosh, I'm never gonna. What the of Jason Mraz song? No, no, no. It was um it was uh with the weird animated video and oh, I can't think of it's gonna drive me crazy. I'm sorry. Um I'll think of I it. I want later. I wanna think me of it too. for you, but so far you haven't given us very good. Oh, is it the know, crazy frog song? <laughs> I'm giving you no, 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 no. It's not. It's like I'll think of it. Kyle, you talk about. Do you have anything to say about give it up? I do, but I want to take one last guess. Guess because I feel like I've I'm getting close. I think I got it. It's Creed. No, it's 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 tub thumping by Chumba Wumba. (laughs) That is also not it. it. I mean, that was big a couple years ago. Um, this is more recent than all of the songs you guys okay. have guessed so far. Uh, uh, Kyle, go ahead and tell us uh, your thoughts on giving. Um, all the things that you guys said, I feel the same. Like, love the song, love the horn part when it really starts cooking in that second verse. Freaking awesome. Um, I, I could be totally wrong on this, but the timing was right for me. You know, I'm not like far out of high school. 
And uh, maybe I was just taking these lyrics too literally, but so give it up, throw your hats in the air and change just as they land. You're saying we'll get out of here, but something tells me you're too scared to go. Like, Oh, I never even thought never, I never looked in the lyrics, but you're right. That is spot that on. I mean, wow. and so for me at the time, it was just like, no, I will go. I'm going, I'm leaving. And so, and also, I mean, I know you dudes are cut from the same cloth. That's what you were into. And so I, I, I felt a kinship with him calling them out because I wasn't them. You know what I mean? Yep. So, Hey guys, good news. I thought of the song. Yes. <laughs> Tell me if I described it well at all. It was somebody that I used to know by Gautier. <laughs> <laughs> I had the acoustic thing right and I had the animated video thing. I could not think of his name or the name of the song. Anyway, but that was like a song that came on in Wingstop the other day. I was like, this is still a jam. That is not, is a, like, it is a jam, a but jam. I, I wouldn't expect that in Wingstop. Was that like 2012, I mean, 2011? I think it was later than that. Gautier. Yeah. Anyway. Feature, <laughs> featuring Kimbra. Do, that has nothing to do with this uh, album. So let's go to track four. <laughs> Tie the rope. What are your thoughts on Tie the Rope? I mean, this song kicks freaking butt. The bass line going. Uh, I will yeah, say. I knew, I thought you'd bring uh, up the bass yeah, line. Dum, 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 dum. Um, but I will say it is kind of like. Um, it's it's Those lyrics are kind of dark, right? I mean, it's <laughs> a <are>. happy. <laughs> that song sure sounds happy for as dark as that is. Um, but yeah, I, I love it. And. Um, and I love the lyrics, even though it is dark. I mean, dude, this this is um he's just got such a cool voice and um and and they're a special band. So yeah. I do I like the juxtaposition of a happy sounding song with like totally sad lyrics. <laughs> I kind of always like sweetness is another song yeah. like that, Jimmy World. You know, it's like you just like this oh, this is so fun. It's not, it's really sad. Well that was the that was <laughs> but, the whole motion city soundtrack episode for us. Yeah. The <laughs> whole record. We were like, Oh my gosh, this is dark. Yeah, we had uh, to take four weeks off after that one to go talk to our therapist. Like, uh Chris, what are your thoughts on Tie the Rope? That is that technically the super sexy clown beat, Kyle? Does that qualify? Yeah, that's the circus sex beat. Okay. Circus sex. In the verses. In the verses. In the verses. Yeah. Yes. Super sexy. Let me cross that out. Circus. I gotta remember that from now on. Is is the word clown in Yeah, I think I, I think I've may have called it clown <laughs> clown sex before. Clown sex. Clown sex beat. <laughs> yeah, no, I was like I was laughing at like if me and you wrote this song, we'd be like, should we do the, should we do the scary suicide lyrics and then add the super sexy clown beat? That'd be kind of funny. Yeah. <laughs> Just kick the chair. Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, I love this song. It's one of my oh, favorite so songs good. probably. I mean, yeah. I, I remember I was dating a girl that lived in Edmond at the time and Ooh. I was, I drove my, brother's truck for a while because he had bought a truck oh, for my, my grandpa thing. my grandpa died and so my brother was only like 15 and bought this truck so i drove it for a year 
And uh, I just remember, I, mean, I just wore out this album driving to and from Edmond. And I just remember, like, this one got repeated. Like, this song never yeah. got played once in a row. Like, it, it, I always went back and played it again. Um, and uh, I mean, I literally just like, imagine driving on whatever 170th Street or whatever it is that turns into something in Edmond. I don't know. I can't keep track of, I still don't know Edmond Streets. But, um, but yeah, I just, I mean, I love this song. It's, it's one of my all time favorite songs. Um, and I like, like I said, the happy fun stuff, but yeah, it is also, if you were to hang yourself from the ceiling, if you were three feet from the ceiling, you'd either be in a nice house with tall ceilings to not be touching the floor. Mm -hmm. Right. Or you, um, wouldn't be killing yourself. Right. You'd have to have like 10 or 11 foot ceilings to be three feet. Right. Yeah. Am I wrong about the math on that? Yeah, maybe he like just outed himself as an affluent yeah. suburbanite yep. without realizing <laughs> yeah. it. Oh, wait, you guys don't have 13 feet ceilings? Ten, yeah. Oh, well, never mind. Ooh, sorry. Uh, <laughs> you got eight feet I'm still ceilings. super That's... depressed, but I didn't realize I had it so great. <laughs> Chris, you're not very tall, but even you wouldn't be yeah, able to no, hang I, yourself three feet from so. an eight-foot ceiling and, no. and successfully kill yourself. So uh, let's go to tune out. Tell us your thoughts on Tune Out. So, yeah, I'm definitely picking up the Beach Boys Nelson vibes again on this tune. Um, it's just, it's like a great feeling summer jam. Um, and then, uh, you know, my favorite part of the song was always like kind of the second version of the chorus, or I guess you, I don't know if you call it a B side, but, uh, you know, the My Love, You're All I Need. Um, yeah. Uh, and then it's like um, a tag also, or something, I, yeah. yeah, I guess you call it that. Yeah. And then I, I don't know the percussion on this song is just really interesting to me like the got kind of like a flat paper snare sound and some jingle bells going on it feels like they took a little chances with the percussion on the song and i like that a lot and i think this is where some more of the 70s stuff comes in as you mentioned oh, yeah. beach boy i mean beach yeah. boys are pre-70s but um and i uh this is another one i remember from them playing at that show i just like remember specifically them like this song also catching my ear with just acoustic guitar and Nate singing. Um, it was just like a fun song and add to the list of, uh, songs about the radio. Mm -hmm. uh, we had one. Oh, you're last right. Episode with the Ataris. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, I just, uh, we, I remember doing the same thing though. I mean, just like being in the van and like, you know, if we didn't have, uh, something to plug into it or something, it was like trying to, listen to the radio and you can figure out real quickly that like every town in America is playing the exact same songs. <laughs> like there's no, it's not like, Oh, they've got some hits up here in Minnesota that we don't have in Oklahoma. It's like, right. they're all owned by the same people there. It's like, uh, and so, yeah, I definitely related to, um, the lyrics, but I also just remember the song. Uh, Kyle, what are your thoughts on tune out? Uh, it is an awesome song. I think all the same things that you did, you guys do, but I do want to say that like the way that he's singing on this chorus, I am a huge fan of um, like matching syllables. And so he goes like, I'm pretty sure he goes like 10, 11, 10, 11 on this chorus. And I, I know it sounds weird, but I swear I can feel it when someone does that. It just feels right. It fits nice. And, um, nice. and I, I, 
I really love this chorus. I love the the feel of it. So yeah, dude, I love, I love that. I love when something technical is happening in art that you can pick up on like that. Um, like you know, now that like later in life, I'm like into like you know software developing and like coding and stuff like that. I, I I've it's been interesting for me to go back to my past life and like kind of like I wonder if there's like sequences or patterns that and there usually aren't. But that's interesting you said that because. When it's when it's pulled off per- perfectly, you don't notice. Um, but what's that? What what is it in Shakespeare? I am pentameter. The yeah. thing he does, and it's like you don't notice it, but it it's just. But it know, feels it, right. Yeah, it feels right. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, do you guys watch the uh, the YouTube videos? I think they're called uh, like "What Makes This Song Great." Or do you guys watch any of those? Where no, you like break that sounds down cool. Songs? It's pretty cool because he does a lot of that kind of stuff. Where he he also has like the stems of the tracks. So he'll talk about like, you know, the chords over different chords and different parts and how like the mimics, the melody. Does it take the fun out of the songs that he does? I don't think so because he's doing it in a way that's like, um, I've only watched a handful of them, but like he does it in a way that's really, um, I don't know. To me, it's interesting as a musician to be like, Oh cool. I'd never noticed that. Or even sometimes in the stems, like I've watched one where he did Everlong by Foo Fighters. Mm. It was cool. Like he had the stems and there's like, there's some cool background vocal stuff that you can't even hear. It's like such, it's so low in the mix or just kind of in there. You know, there's like a girl on that, on that track. What? It's like the girl from, uh, um, I can't remember who it Baruch is. Baruch Assault, probably. I, I mean, I think it really probably was. I mean, I think it was, it was something like that. Yeah. And anyway, it was, it was cool and it was fun to hear like, oh, then he switches to this and he plays these chords and blah. Anyway, it's a cool thing. And, and it's a, I don't, I don't want to think about music like that all the time for sure. Because I think that takes all the joy out of it, but it is—it's fun to do for like, oh, if you like really like a song or something, it's nice to hear some of those technical well, things. I mean, as songwriters, at least to steal. I'm not. I'm not. Try, ideas. I'm not trying to like act like I'm technical because I'm not at all. I'm probably the least technical of the three of us. But you guys have written songs with me, and I don't know if you know this. That is how I write. I write yeah. to match syllables. That is, that is my quirk. I can't not do it, and so. Um, and in the key of E. Yeah, I like the key of E. <laughs> Work, working on a tune in the key, key of E right now, if you could believe it. Um, I can believe but, it. Uh, but yeah, man, like that's that. And that's why it stands out to me. I love I love it. it things just, it's an OCD thing. Like, oh, this fits very nicely right here. And that rhyme structure, not just the rhyme, the, the whole structure of it fits perfectly with that. So um Kyle, that means your uh, your songs are getting put in the show notes. So, oh. uh, <laughs> uh, I don't I don't think I have anything out there. I think you do. Nah. Is Rockwell Social not on, no. on uh, Spotify? No. It's not. No. Seriously. Well, I'll link to. I know it's I, on iTunes. I guess you'll have to. I guess you'll have to link to Earthquake Weather. <laughs> Hello. Hey. That's uh, Blake's side project, and everyone should go listen yep. to it. Actually. It's, it's true. Um, it's on both now, right, Blake? It's on Apple and Spotify. The I released one song on Spotify and Apple Music and all that stuff so far. Right. The rest of it's on Bandcamp. Bandcamp. Uh, if you want it, um, it's very synthy and poppy, and and was fun doing. So thanks for shouting it out, yeah. fellas. But I am gonna put Rockwell Social in the sh- in the show notes. Mm. Uh, let's go to I'm ready. I am. Try 
love the line and all the things I wish I wrote because I I do that all the time. I'm like, God, I wish I wrote this song. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know? uh, and I think I've even written a line kind of like that in one of my songs. Uh, but Chris, thoughts on uh, I'm Ready, I Am? Uh, you know, this song was just always all right for me. I I think this is the mid-record low. I'm not saying it's a bad song, but, you know. Yeah, just kind of kind of the one in the middle he says yeah. i uh, we uh, I talked a lot about his lyric style um he he's great at writing lyrics um he uses the word obtuse in this song like, i just yeah. can't wrap my head around somebody get working that word into a song into a song lyric and it's sounding so seamless nice job he, he's kind of conversational mm-hmm. yeah it feels like yeah. he which i think is another thing that i remember about that show of just being him and the guitar player is like like him playing a song like this or tune out or whatever i mean it felt like he was like telling you something that like just happened does that make any sense at all like not storytelling but no like another version of it like where like you feel like you're just in a room and he's just telling you it's more like play by play yeah yeah it's like not quite yeah it's not quite storytelling but anyway but it's interesting and i can't quite put my finger on what it is about it, but it is kind of like, like the line about like, and you should have seen the looks I just received or whatever. Um, I mean, it seems like he's writing it in real time to something. Um, anyway, I like it. Kyle, what is your uh, thoughts on I'm ready? I am. Uh, I'm split right between you dudes because I, I also really like those uh, lyrics, Blake and Chris, I got to agree with my birthday buddy. Like this, if this song is just like, you know, it's, it's cool. It's fine. Um, and, and, and there was another record that we did that, di- that they did this where it's like, they double down on, on, for me, the downer. And they're like, you know what, this is what we're going to name the record after this one. Seems, yeah, seems cause it's got the, we had the lyric yeah. in their interventions and lullabies, but this one, um, this one's, this one's fine for me. That's just okay. fine. I'm with you. I'm kind of in the middle there too. I don't like dislike it. I wouldn't skip it. If that nope. makes sense. No, nope. no, nope. no, not a skipper. Nope. Okay. Let's go to On Your Porch. And me I ran I couldn't even look at him For fear I'd have to say goodbye And as I start to leave He grabs me by the shoulder And he tells me Kyle, thoughts on uh, on your porch? I'm gonna get heavy, guys. If that's okay, let's do it. Um, that's fine. It, it's loud. So, th- so this song, like, for people that love music, great songs are like bookmarks in time, right? Like, we remember when we heard them or what they meant to us at the time. And for me, this is really heavy, and I'm sorry to go there, but um, the very first callback meeting that I got with a label was the same week that I found out my grandfather had brain cancer. And it was with this, it was with this record, like coming out, it, it all coincided. And I remember driving to Nashville cause I decided to go. Basically they told me that he would not, uh, he only had a week of good, good wits left and it was going to take me a week to do this trip. And it was the first time someone had actually called me that meant something and there, there was potential in it. And I remember having to make that decision and I listened to this record and this song hit me like a freaking semi truck. And it still, 
I feel like I've I feel like I've bummed you guys out. I'm sorry, but no, 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 it's no, totally like, no, it's that's no. but Girl, it's like still it. like even when I listen to it now and and real quickly, happy. I want to put a little happy ending on that. Like my grandfather had his wits for like a whole nother two weeks and I got to spend some really wonderful time with him when I got back from this meeting, this meeting that didn't amount to anything. That's kind of sad, but, (laughs) 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 but, but the thing is like, it was, it was a thing because like, this was a dream that I was chasing. I was so excited that someone wanted to hear it and someone of importance. And like, I remember, uh, I mean, dude, and maybe that's not what this song is totally about, you know, but man, it's what it's about to I mean, me. I, I mean, I think it's pretty spot spot on. It, I mean, I, I know his, his dad was actually sick. I mean, you hear more about this on the fun. Records. And like, it's, it's really weird because I, I hate to, I hate to get uh, any kind of like spiritual about music, but like my grandpa couldn't speak when I left. And so like when I, when I was in the car driving, like this song was cathartic for me because it was like, I knew that if he could talk to me, this is exactly what he would say. And so this, this top, top three most special songs to me in the world. So anyway, Chris, you got anything to follow up that with? Sure. Yeah. Let me just follow up with these notes right here. Uh, no, but, uh, Kyle, that was really touching. Actually, I wrote down that this song had a quality to it that just kind of touched my heart. Like, I don't know how to explain it, but you know, that line like out of the desert into the sun like i can almost mm. like feel myself like you know like walking out of a dark place and and just that feeling when the when the sun's on your mm. face and it, it it took me back to that time in my life too dude like where i was you know taking chances and trying to do something crazy and and those those i, I don't know i don't know about you but i wouldn't trade those moments of hope for anything no. i know they didn't pan out the way that we thought they would but yeah. um it sure felt great to be like out there trying and doing something you know, really cool. And this song just has a spirit about it that kind of took me right back to that feeling. Um, so I, I, yeah, your story was beautiful though. I'm, I'm very glad you told it. Thank you. Thanks for sharing. Yeah. Sorry. It was yeah. a bummer. <laughs> no, <laughs> it, okay. I thought it was Not a great, a no, it was a great story. It ended great. Yeah. I mean, it ended good, with yeah. you hanging out with your grandpa and um, you know, it was good. Not the, not the record signing part, but Hey, <laughs> you can't know. win them all. Yeah. Yeah. You can't win them. Yeah. Uh yeah I agree good song um and uh, as as our friend Lover says like that dude loves his family mm. <laughs> that's what he always says about he Nick. always said about because there's song. there's a because it's like every record of his has one of these songs dude. on him where it's like clearly yep. about his family it's like not you know I think that's great you know it's, it's good very to, clearly about like he'll be like and this yeah. song's about my niece I mentioned yeah. that it's yeah. about my niece and here's my niece yeah. again. And, uh, and so it's like, yeah, I mean, it's cool that you can, you know, so many people think that you have to have this kind of, well, there's even a lyric later on in this record that has, uh, that, that mentions the, like (laughs) having to be like, I don't know, have a tough time or something to be an artist. Like basically, I guess you don't have to, you know, it's like, I feel like so many people are like, oh, you gotta have this like terrible childhood or something. Some sort of awful thing happened to you to be a good songwriter. Well, it's like, oh, maybe not. Like this guy has a good family and you know, uh, writes great songs about it. I like that. It's a good thing. It's a it's a nice change of pace. Uh, let's go to a sore thumb. Your 
your thoughts on sore thumb as it fades out in the background. That um, the the verse is so interesting on this. Is it? It I I can't tell if it's just the progression or if there is like an interesting time signature happening on the verse. But I don't think so. I think it's normal. Yeah, but it's just got like an interesting like you know how like that the kind of back end like how the progression changes. I just always thought some really creative songwriting and. It's like kind of a pop punk song, right? Like it's almost like a punk. Yeah, pop I was gonna punk, say, is this the one you? This were is about the Kyle one I was gonna say. This, this is, the most is why they're emo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it is. I mean, out of for this record and the next one, it's the only one that's really close to the genre at oh, all. Yeah, right, dude. I think that, is that this fair? is like honestly. I think this is the song that like they wrote after touring with all those bands. <laughs> yes. Like it just, you might be it right. It just influenced them being around them. Cause you're right, dude. Like this is the only, this is the closest they ever come to it. And, and it's funny to think how much a voice can change things. Cause I was thinking today, like if anybody, but this dude was singing it, it would be a thousand times more emo than it is right now. Right. And this is the most emo thing that they've done. The lyrics are also super evil, oh. too. Like, the clip, gr- so great Flea, job on the clip, by the way, Blake. That's the yeah, best yeah. part of the song. Uh, thank you. Uh, so please just leave. You don't mean that much to me. Give back the ring. Keep all those summers with your friends. That sounds like it could be like those are like. Hey, can we? Uh, but none of the rest of his lyrics are like that. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? It's like, so it was, I think you're right. Maybe it was influenced by touring with, uh, you know, Rocket Summer, Early November. Yellow <laughs> Those card, kind of bands. Yellow Car. Can we? Motion City. Can we get a sound clip? Of of someone just going emo and like when <laughs> when moments like that happen, just <laughs> like, like a shock jock like kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we probably could. Uh, yeah, but you just I did could... it very well. I hey, think thanks. You could just isolate that. We'll, yeah. we'll isolate that. We'll make it work. Uh, any other thoughts on on sore thumb? I like it. I like it too. Yeah. It's a good song. Um, and and I really like that end chorus. Mm-hmm. I mean, like that's why I picked that the the thing we've we've had a yeah, couple the, of bands in a row that do this kind of like alternate chorus for the end yep. uh, kind of like taking back sunday was doing that we mentioned the ataris kind of did a few times um and uh it's it's nice to have everyone small like this part you only get to hear once it makes you want to listen to it again and i that's agree how i feel about it anyway all right let's go to a mess to be made So, do you know what this song reminds me of, and which is why I feel the '70s connection? This song reminds me of a Counting Crows song, oh, not yeah. a specific song, oh, but it totally. sounds like it could yeah. be a count. And it might just be because it's got the accordion in it, and I think there's a banjo in there. I mean, there's like some cool instrumentation, and it's like this. I could picture Adam Durrett singing mm-hmm. the song, like yeah. with the same instrumentation. And they're obviously pretty heavily influenced by '70s music for sure, and they're one of my favorite bands too. But um, so I think that's where I kind of hear it, and I and I like it. It's got a nice like kind of sway feel yeah. to yes. it, and uh, uh, it got some really good lyrics in it. Um, my life is not a bank, a bank state, or my love is not a bank statement. Is that what uh, uh, the line is? Uh, anyway, I just I like it. Chris, what are your, what are your thoughts on a mess? Or yeah, we're on a mess to be made. Does that completely speak to like what an injustice it was that this record didn't get pushed farther? That 
Like I agree that you could like this could be a County Crows song. You are absolutely right. Like um, it kind of feel it's a little long December feeling because a long December had that accordion in it too, and yes. kind of that kind of sway feel and like. And I feel like this would work. It's not a traditional single for sure. Just like uh, we said, Give It Up wouldn't be a traditional single. Right. But I feel like it's like sometimes those have staying power because they are so different from what's being played on the radio at the time. Like A Long December was a kind of, it's in, you know, you compare it to what else was happening in 1997. It doesn't make a lot of sense, but, you know, that was a humongous song for Counting Crows. And this kind of has a similar vibe and I, I like it. I'm into it. Yeah. And, and it's really instrumentally this song is just like a i mean they're just like bringing in all these interesting in- instruments and uh, they all blend so seamlessly um uh, with the tune it's uh yeah accordion banjo keys yeah yeah great great song kyle what are your thoughts so i'm gonna say something that people are gonna take as a slam and i mean it in the highest as the as the highest form of praise this sounds like a muppet song to me like, hey, no, that works too. For real. Yeah, you're that right. That is a compliment, like, actually. That is yes. a compliment. That is no. that is that is high oh. praise for me. So anybody that hears that and thinks that I'm joking, it's not no, even no, close to a not. joke. Like this is freaking this is Kermit the Frog material. And yeah. uh and it's it's awesome. Also, I really I've always loved the uh the I'm glad you played the clip that you did. I'd hate this place if it weren't for the waves, if it weren't for the fact that you love it. Like, man. that's that's that is great and that is that is freaking relationships and love in a nutshell right sometimes we go places just because our our loved ones like it i mean (laughs) what there's there is no way in hell i'd be eating at mcdonald's as often as i do if it weren't for my three crumb snatchers you know it, yeah, like yeah. just think it's delicious, but you know what? Does it, do we know what state he's talking about? Is it California? I, I assume it's California. California. I assume it. Yeah, is. I, I assume on, it's a move from Arizona to California. Yeah. I think it I is. Was, and yeah, you know, that's what I always saw out of the desert and into the sun meant too. Yeah, he talks about it in. I mean, there's a a state he references without saying the state on dog problems too, where he's kind of like going like, well, I mean, it's all right. I mean, like, but yeah. I think it's the same thing. You're like, he's there because of a girl. Um, although in dog problems, it's a, it's a different problem because the girl breaks up with them. <laughs> but, uh, you know, whatever. Uh, let's go to Let's Make This Moment a Crime. Tell me it's not too about that snare chris (laughs) sounds good bros they got sounds like that terminator snare that everyone was using in the 90s you know what i'm talking about like i mean apparently they had the budget to bring in every instrument in the city of los angeles on this record so why not this is a country song your thoughts it's a country song like my pontoons are in the water when i hear this song like i am (laughs) I feel like I'm on the lake. Oh, this is very lakey. Mm. Yes. Why would I not put this on a lake playlist? Chris? Do it. This year is the year, man. I'm going to do it. Kyle, what are your thoughts on uh, Let's Make This Moment of Crime? Total lake jam, dudes. It <laughs> is a lake jam. Gosh, I mean, I never never really thought about it, but you're absolutely right. It is a lake jam, and it is going. I'm going to put it 
right after we get done recording this, I'm going to put it on my lake. Playlist. Are you going to jam it at the lake? <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Heck like, yeah. Chris and I and our friend Jenna, every year when we go to the lake, uh, we make, we put a collaborative playlist together on Spotify and make a lake playlist. And uh, there are some staples. Uh, and this might be a new staple. It's a good one. Hasn't made it though. I hadn't thought about it, but that's a good call. Yeah, it's a good song. I like it. Um, I uh, I just I do really love the drums on it. The the drum sounds on a lot of the rest of the record. I mean, other than the first single, they're kind of muted a little bit. You know, mm-hmm. they're which is very seventies, by the way. Uh, but like, man, they're freaking rocking on this one, and and I love that snare sound. Sounds good, good sound. Uh, let's go to career day. It's a metaphor, no way. A simile, I'm still learning, but I think I'm getting better. Oh, if I'm not tortured, how are you ever going to relate? I've been condemned by those I love, wishing me the worst as I try my best. Uh, it was hard to find 30 seconds of this song to use. I I love this whole song. I It's, again, one of my favorites, and uh, it was hard, like I said, really hard to pick 30 seconds. Chris, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's one of my favorite songs of all time. I love it. Um, I agree. Cursed by all ambitious thoughts. I, the, I, 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 I felt those vibes at the time in my life, you know, like... I, yes. Like he was, he's talking about being with a girl or, and her being a real thing, and and him being absorbed with all these like thoughts of ambition. I remember feeling the same way, like just being like in my, my head in the clouds, thinking about my music career and just like like, well, I'm going to do all this cool stuff, and um, you know, uh, the uh, yeah, I, I just I felt it. It also has um, just like one of my favorite lyrics ever. That we were talking about the conversational style earlier, right? Like yeah. the spin a story, like spins a spider yes. web. See, that's a metaphor. No, wait, a simile. I'm still learning, but I'm getting better. I feel like he's just like talking to me, even though I he was love, singing this. 20 I love years that ago. lyric. <laughs> no, I love that lyric. And like I said, that's it's kind of his style of this sort of just like same thing on a couple songs ago. Like, why don't you write a song about it? Okay, here goes. Oh, like, I, just, <laughs> I like, I just like the like. He's, it sounds like he's literally just writing stuff on paper and, and, but it's, it doesn't sound, um, you know, like sometimes that's like it, I can't quite put my finger on it. It doesn't sound like he's just like stream of thought writing stuff down. It works well. Like what Kyle's talked about as far as like the way the pacing of it is and stuff works and, and the rhythm of it, but it does feel conversational almost. And, and I do really like it. And I love, I, yeah, the, the simile metaphor thing. I love that thing. It's it kind of not taking yourself too seriously. I love the, uh, if I'm not tortured, how are you ever going to relate? Uh, lyric, this whole, I mean, every, I think it's one of his best lyrical songs ever kind of thing, uh, in, in any of his projects. But Kyle, what are your thoughts on career day? Wonderful lyrics, man. I, I thought you were surely going to read this one. Cause I've, I, this was the one I wrote down. I love in with the outro and out with the old, there's nothing to lose when there's nothing to hold. I freaking yep. love that. Uh, yeah, he's he's just really good at writing lyrics. And I I I want to mention, and I and I'm almost scared because I'm afraid I'm going to miss big on this. But we haven't mentioned it in a while. Could this be a Sacred Heart song? 
I wrote it down in my notes. No, it you is. didn't. Yes, I did. I've got it in my notes. I said this is a Sacred Heart yeah, dude. Uh, song. Yeah, yeah. This would be played on Scrubs. John Dorian on the, on would would have a uh, would have his outro track, his voiceover. Voiceover. Yeah. I I have not been able to do this one, guys. Like I never, it never clicks like it does for you guys. I, I'm gonna have to get. I'm gonna have to go to Netflix or whatever Scrubs is on and watch a bunch of episodes so I can get into the headspace. It's on Hulu. I to just, be listening for this. I literally. Hulu, like, thank you. Thank you. That's not not Peacock, right? Because I'm not paying for that. <laughs> <laughs> I literally like I I thought the exa- when I was listening to the record I was just like this is I and I always think of certain songs as as I I I have a playlist called I feel like I'm in a movie mm-hmm. if that makes sense and I just I put songs that feel like they should be like uh you know soundtracks to either my life or or in a movie or TV show or something like that yeah so I'm right there with you this is definitely a Sacred Heart into Scrubs uh, yeah. jam for sure it so uh, is that's that is so right on. Uh, spot on. Well, let's go to the final track, uh, Save Situation. thoughts on the final track a safe situation you know we talk a lot of noise on ending tracks i think these guys did it right it's a nice nice ending tune you could have ended it with career day but it's a pretty song so i had in my notes i wish they had ended it with career day but i do (laughs) that's where i am but but listen i this is one of the situations chris where i'll say this i don't want this song to go away I right. would just probably switch yeah. the order of the two songs. That's just me. I see. I don't even know. I mean, I feel like career day should be the end. It's like, I like this little sweet song, but it almost feels like if this would have been, if there would have been a two minute of silent gap at the end of career day, and then this happened, okay, I'd feel better about it. Does that make sense? <laughs> see, like, I don't know why. It feels why, more like a bonus track. I don't Is that know a why, weird thing to say? No, no, I, I get it. I, for some reason, I felt like it, it worked for me. It works. It is like a little ex, you know, a little punctuation yeah, mark I at the end of the record. It's I weird. See where you it's guys like, are coming from though. I just remember when this record was out. Like, obviously, I love, love, love career day, and it even has the kind of the everyone singing the chorus at the end, and and it just feels like it's wrapping something up, and and then this also feels like it's wrapping mm-hmm. something up too, and it's a short, sweet little song, and the instrumentation's cool with the orchestra and stuff, um, but. I'm torn. I, I'm not mad about it. I'm not like, it's not like some of the other records we've talked about where we're like, they made the wrong right. choice. Right. Like I wouldn't, I would never go that far to say that, but it does feel like there should have been like a little bit of silence between career day and this almost. Cause people did that all the time too, of kind of like, Oh, here's a little gap. And then here's kind of the secret song or something. It feels more like that. Cause I, I do remember being like, it just, career day ended the record feeling a certain way. And then this changes that feeling for me. Also, for me, like I, I know exactly why I'm not as into it. For me, it is that you and I were both introduced to the band the exact same way. Kind of like this track, like more acoustic, more stripped down. And like I've had a whole record of them kicking butts with all these <laughs> other instruments. 
And like, I don't, I, I don't know. I know this sounds weird, but I feel like, like they, it was like a step backwards. I don't know. Like maybe I, if, if they were going to go for it, I'd want it to be like, or excuse me. It, I kind of wanted them to go for it and make it grand, you know, like more, I guess a, a grand exit, but, um, it's because career day feels great. Yeah, totally. Not like it's oh, not yeah. super high energy, but it does feel very like with all the vocals and mm-hmm. you got all the instrumentation and I do like it, but uh, yeah, I can see, I can see both sides. And I also, like I said, I'm not mad about the way it is. It, and I don't want the song to go wrong. away. No, same thing. I'm, I'm the same boat. I wouldn't kick it off the record. Um, okay. So let's talk about the lasting impressions. Uh, do we think it holds up guys? Oh I mean, uh, yeah. I think it's sí, señores. <laughs> I don't know why we even asked that question on most of these records. Uh, is it their best album? I mean, they only have two. Yeah. What do you guys think? You think it's their I, best? It, it, I, I never got as into Dog Problems as I was into this record. I don't know if it was timing, nostalgia, whatever. I don't think Dog Problems is a bad record. It just wasn't the same for me. I, I, Kyle, what do you th- what are your thoughts? So I, I came around to Dog Problems, but I would say I agree with Chris. This is their best record. Dog Problems is not as instantly accessible as as this no. record is. That's well put. And so all the whole of Dog Problems is a grower, not a show. <laughs> totally. Totally. Yeah. I totally. remember not liking it at first. I remember like and then it kind of slowly. Yep. But I mean, I think I think now I think Dog Problems is better. Okay. And not Fair even enough. now. I mean, like it only took me it probably took me less than a year or two to think that. Like, I don't think it was like, oh, only in the last. I, And like I said, it's not, you're right. It doesn't have as many like bops mm-hmm. as, as this record does. I mean, this one has so many like things that can be on the radio and Dog Problems doesn't really have that. But um, I I mean, I think I'm, I barely give an edge to Dog Problems, but this is a great record and it's a, it's a, it's a near tie for me on is if this is their best record. As far as important album, I think unfortunately they're we're a small enough band they didn't have an yeah. important record. You Not know what really. I mean? I no. think that you're right. Uh, and I don't see that like a lot of bands spawned from the format. I mean, we talked about me and Chris ripping them off, but I don't <laughs> think that uh, that didn't go anywhere. That's like on my computer. Uh, Do you think the so, Academy yeah, is is maybe like a bastardized version a little bit? I, I could I could hear that yep. for sure. <laughs> yeah, I, I I hear it. Okay. I know what you're talking yeah. about. Even. Yeah, especially that that huge single they had. That I mean, that is a great song. Slow down, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't. It's just weird. I I don't. It's just a bummer because I feel like they were a oh, really really good band. I think it's tragic. Get, I think uh, it's absolutely tragic. Um, but who knows? Maybe fun doesn't come that's, into play. That's what or, I was gonna. Say. Yeah, it's weird. Yeah, it's that's right? that's a positive spin on it, Chris. It's like yeah, yeah. maybe it is their most important record because. It it set into motion, you know. Him and Jack Antonoff. Yes. I mean, and the other guy who I can't remember his name, but I mean, you know, three guys from bands that didn't quite get there, and then they make fun, which is yeah. awesome. Can you goes on to be huge. Can you imagine, like, so? Uh, oh yeah, this music is great. Like, who did you guys play with before? Oh, I played in this band called Steel Train on Drive Through. Yeah. Like, who? See, I want to see I want to see Bleachers because no uh, I think it no would be the first cares. time I've seen the same guy in three different bands. Yeah, uh, but I've not seen Bleachers yet, even though they're one of my faves. Wait, what's the third one with him? Fun and and Steel Train. Oh, okay, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Steel so. Train's got some great songs. They do have too. some great songs. I, yeah, they just, I went back and listened to them after really fun Bleachers got big. Too. Yes, he's um, a great performer too. Uh, we, I mean, I remember we saw them play like several times. That yeah. We, I think we either cross paths or played with them or something like that. Steel train is really good. 
Um, but Bleachers is better. Same thing. It's kind of oh, like yeah. you go like that band never got off the ground and then really, and then fun obviously got quite a bit bigger. And now he's like one of the biggest producers of all time in the world. Dude. I mean, he does every record he's, uh, he's, now. He's so. like BFFLs for with, with Taylor Swift, man. With and all of them. I mean, it's like, Oh yeah. He just did the, like a duo with a duet with a Bruce Springsteen. Yeah. Friggin the boss. Um, what about growing on a show? Or do you guys have, or sorry, nobody's perfect. Oh wait, gosh, we I did this totally out of order. My notes are all messed up. Desert Island songs, two or three of your favorites. Jeez, I did not think about this in advance, and it's very hard. Kyle, um, did you yeah, think of yours in yeah. advance? So mine are for sentimental reasons. I'm going uh, on your porch, but then I'm I'm going first single, and give it up. Okay. Chris. Yeah. I, I, so it's like, hard. No, no. I did. So I, I said, I didn't think about it. It was one of those things where like, I was like, okay, I'll come back to that thought. Like I need to sit, sit with this album a little longer. Oh, I know. And, yeah. And, uh, it could, it's still, and then I was like, I'll, I'm sure I'll, I'll, I'll have it picked by the time, but now I, I can't, I think for me, it would be, um, the first song, give it up and career day. Um, I, I always just, like I said, like I said earlier, uh, career day is one of my favorite songs of all time, actually. So, yeah i mean the first single tie the rope and career day i think have to be the three for me but um gosh give it up and a mess to be made are close to uh it's it's hard it really is but i mean i think i have to pick those three because i i agree career day i've never gotten tired of yeah every single time tie the ropes the exact same way and so is the first single i've literally never once been like i don't want to hear this song when it came on like a playlist or shuffle or something like that. I've always liked it. Okay, now nobody's perfect. Is there a stinker on on this uh on this album? I don't think there's a stinker, no. I mean I don't uh, think let, so let, either. I, I'm ready, I am is the one for me that's just like eh. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean I record would put, <laughs> Yeah, I would put um I would potentially say that like, I wouldn't, if I'm ready, I am or on your porch. I know that I'm sorry, Kyle. Like if those weren't <laughs> on the record, I wouldn't be, I remember probably skipping on your porch a lot. Cause it's like, once I was like windows down in the car, like that one was probably not quite <laughs> the same vibe down. as some of the rest of it. <laughs> kind of uh, brings it down a little. Yeah. But it's, it's a great song. Like I'm not, I probably skipped it, but I wouldn't get rid of it if that makes sense. Like it just, I, Oh, I'm not in the mood for that right this moment. Although even that was probably pretty rare. Cause for the most part, I'm like, I like to listen to the whole album straight through. Although I repeated probably tie the rope twice. When yeah. I listened to this record definitely. straight through. Uh, Kyle, do you have, do you have one? Nobody's perfect. Um, I mean, like if you made me choose one, I'd probably go with, I'm ready. I am. I also wanted to bring up that I did just notice you know, we were talking about track 11 and 12, you know, the final track and what we thought about it. And I do find it interesting that the final tracks uh, initials are ASS. <laughs> yeah, you're reading into that. It's like, oh, Paul is dead. Uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, Growing on a shower, is there a song you like? didn't like at first that you are into now? I don't think there is one for me. Really. One of you guys mentioned one earlier that like kind of that that has. I didn't think there was one. Was it you, Blake, talking about how you listen to one and as it went, you're like, you know what, that's good. It got better each time. Well, give it. No, I mean, give it up was like that. Whereas, like, you know, 
we start the track oh, and yeah. I'm like, oh, gotcha. I'm not just, into the feel of builds. this, but like, yeah. it only took to like the, the second verse or whatever okay. to make me be like, okay, I'm more into this. And I think it did probably grow on me too, just as a track in general. I mean, cause I, I don't think I would have ever thought of that as like, uh, oh, this would be like a hit. But like, I do think eventually it came to me, but it's not like I thought it was a stinker yeah. ever. Okay. It's not like I didn't like it up front. Chris, do you have, do you have any, uh, growing on a shower? On on your porch for me, it had more significance and meaning and feeling to it than I ever remembered it having as a, as a, as a kid when I re-listened this week, it yeah. just kind of, it, it hit harder, uh, with my, with the wrinkles under my eyes and, and these years under my belt. So I guess for me, that one's it. Chris has a mustache too, guys. I do. It looks, it's spectacular. You look handsome. All, all, all based on Kyle's advice. And I, I got to say, it's some of the best advice I've ever gotten. People love this thing. They're uh, nuts for it. Crazy for it. Just being honest. Yeah. All right. Well, in that with, does it. In with the outro, out with the old. Uh, very nice way to sum it up, Chris. Uh, well, that does it for us. Thanks for listening. And again, if you like what you hear, uh, consider giving us a five-star review. That'd be great. Uh, and uh, you can subscribe, of course, so that the new episodes just show up on your little mobile device. I assume you're listening on a mobile device and not on an actual iPod, which podcasts are named after. I assume no one's listening on iPods anymore. Maybe they are in uh, Kuwait. Shout out, Kuwait. Yeah, we love you, Kuwait. <laughs> Kuwait. Uh, you can also send us your comments, disagreements, or suggestions to info at finding emo pod or on any of the social medias at at finding emo pod uh the next episode we're gonna do is the banger hello goodbye zombies aliens vampires dinosaurs with lots of exclamation points between all those words uh so that's what we're gonna do next episode in a couple weeks uh other than that we will catch you all next time <laughs>